first of all, thank you for all of the help you've given us, all of you. Uh, not only the financial help, which is keeps us going, keeps the lights on, but also just attending the Dharma talks and being supportive in that way, participating in the book studies, which we have many of them, and also those of you who work in the monastery, those of you who may have never been here, but thank you. And if you can continue to help us, please do. The title of the topic of tonight's Dharma talk is uh, Six Realms Cover-Up. So Six Realms are uh, starting at the um, at the highest one is the God realm, the jealous God realm, the human realm, the animal realm, the hungry ghost realm, and the hell realm. And I'll go into each one of those a little bit, uh, if I can remember them. I have my phone in front of me here in case I forget one of them. I can always look it up. So if I get a text from somebody and get wound up in that, then I'm sure you've had, had that experience. And so this, uh, sometimes people uh, suggest a talk topics or titles and Mozuku asked about this particular, how the, how the, how the realms, uh, what happens in the six realms. Traditional Buddhist teaching about states of mind, or you could actually say an, even, uh, an actual realm of hell or a realm of gods. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, how those work with uh, the three, po the three uh, poisons, passion, aggression, and ignorance. And so we'll move around in that area, some of it based on what I'm saying and also based on what you come up with yourself and what you are asking about. So the, in the start of the God realm, the God realm is a state of mind that is, uh, is busy and it's busy puffing up, being full of pride. Uh, occasionally the God realm will get embarrassed about something and fall down into shame. But it's still a God realm functioning. It's just a, uh, I'm, I've lost my bearings. I'm not doing too well. Quite often we'll uh, come right back into some kind of an explanation or judgment or something about why, um, why that happened. Uh, someone won't be, re you won't be responsible for it, but it's, it's, it, it is a cover up because you are covering up the, the actual, truth of reality, which is not separate. Nothing is separate from anything else. There are no separate beings. This is an illusion. This, all this, all these people all gathered together on screens and in the present moment, including this old man sitting here, this is an illusion that you are deluded by. And when you're deluded by an illusion, you think it's real. And that's what's happening. I'm not accusing you of anything. If you think otherwise, come and get me, show me, show me how you're not deluded by this. I'd be happy to let you come up here and sit. I'll leave. Want me to do that? Don't I have any show-offs here? And of course, if one of you on Zoom, I'm not paying for your flight. So you're going to have to do that. Uh, God realm is so completely content and happy with himself, herself, themselves, that they don't even look at, at the fundamental nature. They just believe that they're a little bit higher, a little bit better, a little bit more um, in control, uh, have a pretty good intelligence, pretty much able to think circles around anybody, anybody that says anything about anything. They might say, yeah, I kind of see what you mean, but they're actually thinking, fool. Constantly, they keep themselves up in the air by judging others. And it's not that that judgment doesn't have some truth to it, relative truth, because everything is, shows up as in oppositions. 
So that's just a way of covering up the truth is to <clears throat> be in, in that state of mind, that God realm. Just a way of talking about it. They aren't particularly gods. The next one down from that is the jealous God realm. Those who are trying to get into the God realm because they're competing. They're looking who's the competition here and they're competing against others. The whole corporate world is full of this kind of situation. Not that other areas of academia aren't doing the same thing. Even the spiritual path. If you talk to people on the spiritual path, a lot of competition going on there. And there's some areas, of course, where competition is encouraged, like in sports. Um, if you want to go to a university, you want to get a scholarship, you're going to have to prove to them uh, that you're, I guess, smarter than everybody else or most people. Take a test. They call it SAT tests or something. I don't know if they use those in universities, do they? No, they do. <clears throat> and that does mean that you are a skillful at something. So that doesn't mean that you're particularly intelligent in, in, a, in a fundamental way. Uh, some people who are extremely smart uh, are in the God realm or in the jealous God realm. They're, they're fighting with others. They, they, they get their, their uh, cover-up comes from looking around and seeing how far, comparing, comparing, I don't often use my phone, but this time I got some notes I probably will forget. And since uh, Mozuko asked me to do this, I want to make sure I cover the, every, each one of those realms. Um, busy, they're busy competing and comparing and comparing and competing and looking how far they're measuring, measuring. Where are they at? How are they doing? Are they better than this? Are they better than that? Is somebody getting ahead of them? And that happens everywhere, including in, in the nursery school. Happens all the time. As soon as you meet a small child, you can talk to them a few minutes. You can see whether you can just about see what kind of realm they're going to have to deal with for the next maybe 60, 70 years or not. Maybe not. Next one. Uh, human realm is the one that uh, of all the six realms, that's the one that you're most likely in pra uh, to hear the teachings or hear that these teachings of the Buddha make some sense on some level. So you're even though you're the the majority of your time may be spent in one of the, one of the other realms. There's some human realm. In other words, human is characterized. Human realm is characterized by pretty much being in the present moment, basically, but not uh, necessarily clinging to it. A lot of curiosity, but it's also uh, ruled by passion, grasping, grasping. So there's a lot of desire going on there. There, there would be a lot more demand going on in, in some of the other realms, which we'll get to. And so there's a little bit. A little bit of a light touch there, and you're if you're in, and that's a state of mind, or it might characterize your whole life. More than likely, um, you will hear the the teachings of the Buddha in that realm. Although it has been said now in the tradition that the Buddha the Bodhisattvas appear in every realm, Jizo Bodhisattva, or the Sanskrit is, I believe, Kshitigarbha appears in hell to to save beings that are trapped in hell or in that in which we will cover. In a few moments. So I could say more about that, but let's go through the other ones. Uh, animal realm is, uh, is busy uh, doing whatever they got their nose in. Uh, one of the examples is like a, a pig who is a pretty smart animal, but they are so busy just rooting around, uh, looking for something, something to chew on, something to eat, or somebody's fence to uproot, which they're pretty good at doing. 
that cover up that particular way of covering up is called ignorance. It's like the pig is you know, the, the cat, the dog, the, or, or a person who is characterized by that realm may be very intelligent. So that's that area is actually uh, we're not looking at judging or determining who's ahead of who here. But uh, for instance, just an image of pig is snuffling along, not even paying any attention to birds or the sky, or, um, looking around at all, very little curiosity. But now when you come to the cat, cats are curious. So, and that's why you can see most cats are trying to figure out a way to continue to be a cat, but get into the human realm. But they want to still be a cat. So that kind of holds them up a little bit. Anybody know any cats? We all know cats. I was watching, uh, uh, as I was looking at the screen here, I noticed that uh, uh, somebody's cat, who was it walked in front of the screen? Was that, uh, was that Cindy's cat? I think it was, black and white cat. Yeah, goes in front of the screen. And that's all, that's, that is a good example of what, of mind training. Just watch what moves. You don't, if you watch that cat, you won't even know what it is. You just, you might see black and white, you might see the contrast, but you're looking at the texture of it. Treat your, your thoughts just like clouds in the sky or like a cat walking in front of your field of vision so that you don't add, subtract, or divide and get caught up in these realms that uh, are devastating. Uh, you, may, you may not think so, but they are. And so human realm, lots of curiosity there, lots of uh, creativity there, making up things. Sometimes people just invent things and it can be anything from cleaning house to painting pictures. And it's rather than being uh, an actual uh, fundamentally creative situation, it's more, it's used as a cover up. Lots of, lots of variables. There are lots of nuance that we can go into. If you ask questions that lead us in that direction, I don't do things by myself. I do it with people. Why? You already know about that. Uh, Animal realm is, uh, well, we went, in, went into that a little bit. Um, uh, hungry ghost realm was next to the last one, and the, the sixth is a uh, busy lusting or grasping or chasing or demanding something, going after it with a, a lot of uh, power to get what they want, to get that. And, and uh, it's characterized in the tradition um, by images. This is in ancient times. Uh, people with really huge stomachs that symbolizes hunger and then little tiny mouths that symbolizes there's no way they can satisfy that hunger. You'll see this in paintings and drawings here and there. Hungry ghost. And is there some, is there, is there a Buddha, a Bodhisattva teaching in that realm? Probably. The chances of anyone hearing anything. Uh, the, a cover a cover up of grasping or greed you could have you could have that where somebody just as so it could be a hungry ghost realm where you're just trying to make money more money than anybody like the billionaires are spending so much money to go down and look at stuff at the bottom of the ocean might be other ways to spend that money but it's their money right no it doesn't belong to anybody that's an illusion and somebody says they're a self-made what man very disturbing thing to even hear about. You can't do anything by yourself. You think you can? This is incorrect. So the hell realm, 
And we can go back through any of these if you have questions. The hell realm is a busy fighting at war, at war, anger, anger, anger. And some a person might not be in this 24-7, but that might be their go-to when things get frustrating and get difficult in some way immediately. They just want to lash out. They want to stop what's happening. And of course, in all these realms where this is coming from is uh, um, dependent origination. Nothing. There's no separate things anywhere. And it is generated by karma, which means action. That is, uh, is uh, way in the background. It's not in the room you're in. You're walking across the room and someone says something or does something that offends you upsets you, irritates you, and anger arises, that anger is to cover up the truth. It's not really to hit the person or kill the person or shake your finger at them or yell at them, scold them, correct them. It's to cover up uh, the truth. And what is the truth? There aren't, there aren't any separate things anywhere. There even human beings are separated, but your, your true nature it's just it's not just a pile of thoughts and emotions that you you grasp onto and think this is me and this is how I feel and I'm not going to put up with this crap anymore. Next thing you know, you're you're hurting someone who doesn't even realize that they have offended you or triggered you, but you're blaming them because you cannot be responsible for the emotions that arise in your mind stream. And if you if you can't be responsible for those, I'm not talking about ego's responsibility. I'm saying if you can't be responsible for those, you'll shove them onto somebody else. You'll blame someone else. And then you'll be surprised that they're maybe offended. Or they say, well, don't you see that you've caused that, that you've done this? You're the one who did this to me. You can't do anything to anyone else from the fundamental point of view of cause and effect other than just cause and effect. But the, per the personhood that wants to attach itself to that it's called ego, and this is what we're endeavoring to do in this path, if I understand the path of the Buddha's Dharma. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But this is how I teach it, because that's what I'm looking at everywhere. So what, I, what do I mean by responsible? I'm not saying to blame, but if emotions arise in your mind stream, these are your emotions. I've been saying this for at least 10 or 15 years. No one pours a bucket full of emotions in you. It may look like it. But they are your emotions. When I say be responsible, just receive those. Don't abandon those for who did it. Don't abandon those. Don't let that particular situation drive you back into hatred or passion, aggression, ignorance. How do you do that? You have to receive it. You have to be completely generous with whatever arises. Don't turn down this incredible gift of realization. Because just because it comes in the form of your neurosis, because that's how it has to come. You have to see who you are. You have to see the shit you're trying to avoid. That's why this is not a path of believing in something up there, believing in a golden Buddha. This is just to give you a reference point. This is a, a chunk of wood with some gold leaf on it. It's completely worthless. It is not worth any, any more than, than this uh, um, speaker system or that scroll or this plant or this uh, Ikebana, or that glass of water, or this old monk, or anything, or anything, anything, the elseness of it is gone. It collapses into your perception of what this is, perception only. There is nothing, you're not perceiving anything, and there's no one perceiving anything. It's called non-dual, it's called Advaita, that's a fancy word if you need it, but it just means there aren't two things. And if you go on believing that there are, 
then go ahead. Because that's the, that's the beginning is seeing that you're operating out of a belief rather than out of something you actually perceive yourself. You just believe it. It's safer to believe it. That's the God realm. I believe that I'm, I mean, my gosh, I've got a Mercedes and two Harleys in the garage and I'm getting ready to buy another one. And my, I live in a $2 million house or maybe even $150,000. Maybe not that great of a house, just kind of a poor person's house, 200000 300000 those kind of poor people. You know, you know what I'm saying. I don't need to elaborate on this too much more. So those are the six realms. And uh, if you if, if, if your go to for how to cover up your feelings is uh, is uh, anger, then that's a hell realm mentality. It doesn't mean that you're in the hell realm all the time. But it, don't please listen to me here. I have your ear for another few minutes, half an hour, 36 minutes, whatever it may be. Don't go into the elements. In other words, don't die. Don't die. Don't get hit by a truck tomorrow. Don't die after you're 76 years old or whatever. Don't don't do that without finding out who this is. Because if you realize who this is, then you don't die when you die. Nothing really dies. But if you think you're a person that needs to continue, you think you're somehow that that is more important than the truth then that singularity called an ego will continue to come go back down into the intermediate state and karma will bring you right back up through the 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 uh the eighth consciousness and you'll go back into the seventh consciousness and you reestablish that person even though you just were born uh three hours ago it's back already look at any child i don't care if they're three days old or three years old you can see the karma showing up that, that, that they didn't suddenly run into that. They're already coming in with that fresh load of crap that came from another lifetime. Not only the crap, but also the 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 talents, the ability, the genius, the kindness, the generosity, all of those things that are dependently risen. But compassion is not something you produce. True compassion comes out of wisdom. If it doesn't, then it's just sympathy or it's just feeling sorry for someone. And it's also kindness that you could generate for someone. Have some questions? I'd be happy to respond to them. Let me start right over here. Is it, or how is it helpful for us to look at how we go to these mentalities? Just observe it. This is what you're training. If you come in here, you've been here for years, come in, sit down, hold still, face the wall, and watch the way you keep believing everything that comes up, or disbelieving it, or trying to ignore it. Just observe the three poisons operating in all these realms. Observe, observe, observe. You can't fix it. You can't pull it out of there. It's not like pulling teeth. You have to see there are no teeth. There are no teeth. There is suffering. It's unreal. It's vividly unreal in emptiness, yet there's still form, form to quote my teacher, the Vidyatra. You have to see that it's unreal. When I say you have to, you don't have to do anything. Go play golf. Forget it. Life will go by. You have a job. Am I being flippant? Yeah, because people that live that way, that not going to work. I don't need to meditate. If you run into somebody that is unlucky enough to not see any suffering, they're not going to meditate. They're in one of these realms, just happy as a, is that what do they call those peaches? Yeah. No, happy as a rabbit. A rabbit's happy? You're not going to answer me? Oh, okay. I don't either. So come back to come back to your question. Just observe this. See what this is yourself. Eventually, uh, everything will drop down out of this crazy mix master up here, food processor, 
you know, and will will we'll come here. And it's not I'm not talking about the blood pumping organ. I'm not even talking about the heart chakra. I'm talking about here. It's not, you know, maybe it's here. Maybe it's under your armpit, but some kind of presence is here. Consciousness does not have a particular form. Consciousness finds the form that it needs, depending on the karma that is arising in your life or my life or my mind, your mind, or whatever you do with that bucket of emotion that you thought was poured into when actually it's yours. It's your emotion. Feel that. Feel it all the way to the center of the earth. It might sound a little romantic, but I mean it. Feel it. It'll feel like if you really feel it and, and don't cover it up with any one of the uh, functions in these realms, the six, uh, the, uh, the six realms of uh, passion, aggression, ignorance, pride, envy, and so on. Is that me? No, it wasn't me. That was my voice. And uh, you say uh, consciousness finds its own form. Does consciousness need form? No. What happens is consciousness, for who knows what the first cause for anything is, consciousness, we just wake up in a body, and then we're trained by other beings who, who woke up in a body, as they call mom and dad. And then they, depending on their clarity or the lack of clarity, then they try to corral us and control us and tell us this and tell us that and be good, don't be bad, or else thank you. And then we slowly get pulled into this whole dynamic. And But we bring a lot of uh, baggage in with us also. So all that has to be dealt with. That's why that practice of meditation is so important, not whether you believe in Buddhism. Jeez, I'm bombing. Is it, are we able to observe the other realms from the human realm? Can we have the hell realm arising, but still, yeah. are we able to relate to it from the human realm? Yes, you can. You would, you would see the human realm. Uh, you, would, you would realize that, that you're in that area where you're, um, there's curiosity. There's a sense of uh, um, a kind of depression can come up in that, a kind of a nameless negativity that shows up in that realm that is not going to show up so much in the other realms because you're too busy covering that stuff up in the gateway, the Dharma gate for a particular person in the human realm is probably going to be some depression. And what do I say about that? Just look at it. Uh, Chia Zambang, the idea of observing the hell realm, so I may have just intense rage or anger, yeah. and there's still some space to observe it. Is there any way to observe um, the human realm in a similar way without the absorption or being lost in it, bowing? Yes, wake up. There's going to be some kind of grasping or attachment until there's a, a, a an understanding that there there's no solid being. There's no and so I don't know how to describe that. I think it shows up different for different people. Some people have a still have a strong load of karma causes and conditions to deal with. Someone can be just like you've been studying young men and giving talks on well, that person had a just by his uh, way of teaching had a. Very, very unusual dynamic that happened, much different than more traditional teachers. More? She's on bowing. Does consciousness, in order to manifest, have to be in one of the six realms? Bowing. No. So the realms are just kind of to describe the samsara or the, that we're caught in this wheel of life and death, life and death. So. It's probably going to dip in and out of that in some way. If you're a human, then this is what you're going to have to deal with. So I'm not sure what it is you want to know. Is there any way to talk about consciousness or what is consciousness that's not manifesting out of one of the six realms? 
Well, I'm not saying that it, it wouldn't be something, but it could be in a formless realm, could be in some other shape that, that I have not experienced or don't understand, but I think it's pretty unlimited as far as what it can, where it can go. She is my a bodhisattva who finds themselves in the human realm, say, what is, what is that functioning? So they're functioning relatively in a human realm, but is there any reference point for that functioning? Um, Other people who are suffering. <clears throat> to use your words, bodhisattva, an enlightening being or one who is on the path to, who has been inspired by the words of the Buddha or the Buddhist teachers, one is on the path to seeing their true nature. Uh, on the path to awakening, enlightenment, then that person would be relating to, <clears throat> excuse me, other people uh, to fundamentally help them, not make things worse for them, not enslave them, or not even make them students particularly, but meet them where they're at. So that might not show up as help to uh, to that person because they might see it as the kind of help I got from Coben who saw where I was at, is to abandon me. I mean, from the relative point of view, I was pretty upset about it. That's been over 30 years ago. But that's exactly what I needed so that I could look at what he could see that I was avoiding, which was my own neurosis and my own self-deception. He wanted to talk about it in a relative way. I'm very lucky to have a teacher like that. More about Okay. Good area, yes. Um, Chazan was bringing up, can you be in the human realm and see the hell realm showing up? Is, is it possible to be aware of what realm you're in, in any other realm? Uh, I don't know if that's true. The human realm is the one with the most, we call it objectivity, to look around and see other people that are filling themselves up with just being full of pride and full of, I'm better than everybody. I'm, we see that, we see that in Buddhist monks that are full of themselves. They don't see it. And does that mean, well, I see it. And so I'm able to, not necessarily, don't need to be correct about anything. One more, and then I'm going to go to the gentleman who we put on hold here. Go ahead. Was it bowing? Is sitting on the cushion a way to keep ourselves or, or try to encourage ourselves to be in the human realm? Sure. It's unlikely for anyone to sit on a cushion whose their whole way of working with things is mainly hell realm. But they're going to be a person who's in in the human realm or in that state of mind that there's some equanimity that just rises out of their their karma. <clears throat> who knows who they ran into three lifetimes ago that brings them back into this milieu called the Buddha's teaching of the Buddhas. But we don't know what that is. No way to trace any of that. Even doing past life work or something, or deep consciousness work. It's, it's not always uh, what you would call the common words dependable. You can't find proof for anything. But if you're, if you're on the spiritual path, you don't need proof. If you're looking for proof, find another way. Go find some proof somewhere. Spiritual path, there's no proof for this. If you, if you realize who you are, you won't need anybody to come in. You're doing a good job. I think you got it right. You won't need that. And if somebody offers you that, you might you'd probably say thank you. How do bodhisattvas help beings outside the human realm if they can't hear the teachings? Uh, it's the intention to, to serve and to help others. Uh, the time frame is there is no time frame. 
So even though the, the intention to serve, even though the person is like this and is walking by, uh, people all over the place are totally ignoring this. It's the intention to do this. There are no separate beings. It just looks like it is an illusion. And it is such an incredible illusion that if you don't see who you are, uh, you don't see that, then you will be stuck with that illusion. You'll go down and be uh, uh, whatever. Uh, no way to know. You'll be stuck to relative truth. Good luck. But you, we could also come back and say, well, that's true. Then it doesn't matter, does it? I don't know. I'm not a philosopher. But we could check with Kierkegaard or Nietzsche or some other psychological uh, smarty pants. Peter Bowen. Yes. I, I think that I have you cleared up on the video and okay. sound. Let's have your question. Yes, sir. I have been to your um, meet your meetings uh, about four or five times in the last year, and uh, I would like very much to uh, meet with you if I can possibly, and um, um, and ask some more personal questions. Yes, just uh, go go on the website and uh, yeah, go go through Chiazan. He's on there. He's the he is the the Sukansu here, so he. Uh, his his contact info is there. Go there and talk to him about it, and he'll set it up for you. Cayenne Valley, um, did I hear you correctly saying that emotion itself is a cover-up of non-duality, Bowen? Uh, you might have heard me say that, but uh, uh, my my what I intended to say, and I may may have not said this. But I intended to say that it's the grasping. It's not the emotion. Emotion is wonderful. Emotion, if there's no self, if you see there's no self and there's no other, the emotion flows like crazy. You have emotions all the time, everywhere. Every time you come in contact with somebody who is having any kind of difficulty or not difficulty, you're flooded with their emotion because you're not separate from them. This doesn't mean you're reading their thoughts. All you have to do is just look at somebody, stand next to somebody. Everybody radiating everyone. Everyone is radiating everything, every direction. You don't miss much because you're no longer tangled up in the in the briar patch of your own ego. Like, who am I? What am I doing? What do they think of me? Blah la la la. All that. Instead, you're just you're just an open wound all the time. Is that some kind of negative way of? No, I'm just. I'm, I, that's what shows up when I try to think of something that's very very sensitive, but is not defending itself against anything. Sometimes it's taught that way that it's a, it's like a open heart or it's a broken heart or it's it's just you're you, you're no longer at war with anything you're no longer taking sides you you, you cannot be drafted into the service of any uh, maniac or any dictator including your own ego so that you could be extremely emotional sometimes the the the, the person who is a monk or who is a uh, a mendicant or, a, or even you know this is one of the reasons uh, in ancient times that pe people uh, were taught or practiced celibacy to get away from the emotions i think that's foolish that being said i think that in the culture in that time that probably needed to happen that way so there could be some kind of stability but that's that's the the emotions between uh, human beings, men and men, women and women, men and women, women and, I mean, it doesn't matter. The sexuality is somewhat beside the point, although it's very specific in some cases. 
and maybe in most cases, but it's, it's this emotional desire for something else, a demand for something else. If there's no demand, then there's just pure enjoyment. And that way, it's just like watching the weather. This is why we enjoy thunderstorms, as long as they're not, lightning isn't striking our abode. But we, 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 we enjoy that it's energy that has just dependently risen. We don't, we don't shake our fist at the clouds, although maybe you would. So is that helpful or did I get close to what you're looking for? Or is there something else? Yes, that, that, that's helpful. Um, I had another question. Yes, sir. You said that true compassion comes from wisdom. Yes. Does, does the other, other, other work, meaning wisdom comes from compassion, bowing? They're, they're, it's the same thing, doing two different things. It's, it's, it's the same, same energy of just realization. You just, you no longer are a separate being. You're no longer, and, there, and there's no experience there. It isn't like you're experiencing being uh, not separate. If you're experiencing something and, and you think there's someone experiencing something, this is the very nature of confusion, just to think somebody is experiencing that. But you are, if you, but it, the way I would say it is whatever you feel, think, hear, smell, taste, you are that. It isn't someone over here doing that. It's identifying with this body-mind complex as an ex extremely powerful uh, magnet, and, and, uh, and it's, the, the seduction there is intense. That's why the, to, to be able to see that consciousness is, is, uh, is, is not a separate thing. It doesn't belong to anyone. There's really no boundaries there at all. When you realize that, all of the, the boundaries that you are setting up uh, to protect yourself from this and avoid that and go on this way or that way to try to create some kind of realize, realizer or some kind of calm abiding or not going to work. Maybe for a little while, maybe for 50 years, but you still have to face death. You still have to die after you have to spend a whole lifetime covering up what you needed to look at. What you need to look at is embarrassing. And it, you need to be embarrassed or you're not going to transcend this personal self because that, that's, that's one of the last hideouts. Can't quite do that. This is what, out of his incredible generosity, whether he knew he was generous or not, it doesn't matter. He probably didn't. He was just uh, a Buddhist monk who, was, who related to me as he saw me, Kovancino Roshi. And he related to me uh, in order to fundamentally help me, not to be my buddy. And what did that do? Uh, triggered a lot of pain that I wasn't willing to see until he came along and went like that. And then I, then I started looking at what I'd been able to cover up for the last number of years, quite a number of years, by doing what? Meditating, tantric practices. Kayan Bowing, you're saying that you were covering up with the practices, Bowing. I was, and I'm not saying that you can't do tantric practices or any kind of practice, even Vipassana, and have that be exactly the practice you need to do. You just need to have a teacher teaching you. Need a teacher. Uh, but you don't have to believe me. You could say, well, Sokazan thinks that, but I think I can do this myself. Go ahead. There is no self. So it's pretty hard to do it yourself. You, you just about need to meet someone who, who, has, who has realized, who is able to relate to you in such a way that they help you so you can't cover up what you've been covering up. As, as the saying goes, you get too close to the teacher, you get burned. You don't get 
Close enough to the teacher, you don't get enough heat. Time and buying, this might be getting into the weeds a bit, but I, I'm just struck by the fact that you did have a teacher in Trunk Rinpoche when you were doing the tantric practices. Yes. Was some dynamic in that relationship or community that was more conducive to covering up than the dynamic with Coben, who also seemed quite removed personally, bowing? I don't, I think it's so uh, personal, so individual. I, I think that Trungpa was a, was a great master, was a, uh, the character, uh, characterized as a Mahasiddha, a great, great being. Uh, anybody that met him was very lucky to have stumbled into such a man, a teacher. And without him, I wouldn't have been able to even meet Coben. So, I mean, it's it's like uh, I, uh, kind of making a joke about it, but a, uh, a Trungpa Rinpoche came along and kicked my butt. And then when I met Coben, he kind of ground what was left into the dirt. You know, it was, it was embarrassing to know that you're, to have somebody come and act with you in such a way that all you can do is see your own neurosis. It's painful. I spent years looking at it and before I could get back to him and ask him again for the precepts, uh, he died six months before I was able to get to him. So kind of a, I don't mean this to be kind of like, like a confessional thing. I say it sometimes because it's just kind of a, it's so definite. I, this, that's, I met him. He related to me in, in a way that, uh, that I wasn't able to do what he told me. He said, just observe. You don't take precepts, you observe them. I think that's what he said. Isn't that what he said? You don't know? Well said. Well said. Who was there? Yeah, nor do I. You don't have to know. You don't, ha you don't need an identity. It's useless. It gets in the way of all, all this incredible gift of a human life that you have, precious human birth. You don't need anything extra. You have whatever you have, that's exactly what you need. Realize it. Don't believe anything I say. Naisho, you have your hands up. Naisho bowing. Is there a difference between returning to samsara involuntarily versus voluntarily? as in taking vows. Yeah. Um, I think that ultimately there's no difference, but relatively as far as the path goes, yes, there's a difference because you're, you're deliberately receiving vows and saying, I'm, I vow to be with all things. I vow, and that includes your own death. That includes other people's deaths. You, you just vow to be with all things. And that, uh, as long as there's a self there, there's going to be a self that's trying to, figure out how to do that or figure out how if they even can do that. But when one realizes what this is, then uh, then then that then that vow just takes over. There's no personhood there anymore. The, the vow is what you're doing to be with all things, no matter what it is, which which could be anything from oblivion to you know, stardust. You, you don't mind because you don't see different things anymore. Nice, I meant after the death of this body bone. So from the point of view of realization, there, there is no death. So you, you may come back, you may not. But as far as there being a difference, 
as long as you're, when you ask the question that I'm saying, just continue to look at that difference so that you see what it is, rather than this old man says, oh, this is, you should, this, this is what happens and this is what doesn't happen. There is no depth. It's an illusion. It's not that the body mind doesn't go back into the dirt or into the water, into the fire, into the air. Yes, it does. Anything that shows up, all compounded things, will vanish in time. That's, and that's what we are. We're compounded. Body mind is, has this kind of a form. So how can we put ourselves into embarrassing situations in our day-to-day -day life? Bowing. Well, I don't know if you can deliberately do that. Um, just hang around me. I'll make sure you get embarrassed. Well, I can't really guarantee that because, uh, because you have to do it. You have to see, you have to see, I may not be your teacher. You're, you're still looking for a teacher. And so that tells me that, uh, I'm probably not your teacher because if you've met me and if, if this isn't showing up as a, as your teacher, then go find someone, go look around. I think that's what you're doing already, but I wouldn't spend too much time shopping because uh, eventually the supermarket closes. Just look around. Don't do anything unless you have to. Don't believe me. Don't, don't believe, don't disbelieve. Don't look for anything. You've already been taught. Uh, you're, you're already a meditator, so I would think you're, you're doing fine there. It's just that you will need a teacher. And if the one that you met uh, there in Bloomington, if that one doesn't, doesn't work out, then just keep looking. Yes? Otis from Anna asks, I would like to know your view on therapy and antidepressants. Well, I'm not sure what you want to know. My view, uh, uh, I'm not against anything. I'm not for anything. But I think, I think therapy, I mean, the person just read the question to me is a therapist, and she's also a fully ordained monk. There's several in this community. I'm all for anything that will help people. A fundamental understanding is to help people, not to get everybody to convert to Buddhism. And they may need to do that. They may not. If you need to do that, I'll help you. If you don't need to do that, I'll, I'll work with you or help you, support you wherever you're at. Very, very difficult to do uh, much in this area without some kind of training. But then there's some people that are never going to meditate. They, they're just, there's too many roadblocks, their culture, their uh, pre preconceptions, their opinions, their judgments, how they've been trained, how they're, what kind of karma is showing up for them. The only people that may be able to help them are therapists. They would be very lucky, as far as I'm concerned, to run into therapists who are also monks who already know they should not meddle with other people's karma, but they need to help them fundamentally. Not always easy to do that. Quite often, people might feel helpless because it's difficult to help someone when you know that people have to do this themselves. But as far as uh, I would think uh, antidepressants, people I've been talking to people about their antidepressants for years. I, Many, many years ago, I had students that took Prozac, and I think they had Wellbutrin back then. It was all different kinds these days. I think that's fine. Anything, if it helps you, so you might say, well, that's going to block out, you know, you, you feel too good. You're going to have to look at all that negative karma. I, I say, you know, take your philosophical ass out of here. That's what I would say. You don't need to philosophize about anything. You can just, you can just do that. You just help people. And if so, that's, but if you have a standard, you're always living up to a standard. Like I can't do that because I'm a monk or I can't, you know, you're not going to help very many people. Fundamentally, you might help them relatively, but fundamental to fundamentally help 
people, you have to step into the danger yourself. You can't just be this reserved monk or this reserved person who's doing what everything that's told by the Dalai Lama or Soto Shu in Japan or anybody. Don't do what you're told unless you unless you need help. Then go to the teacher and make sure it's a teacher that's not manipulating people and controlling them and abusing them. If you can, and then get their advice or get their help or get their support. But I'm all for that. Get, get whatever help you can get. As I've shared with some people, I've been, I don't know if it's going to work, but I've been microdosing on psilocybin to try to work with my skin pain because it's uh, pretty disruptive and very painful and hard to sleep. I don't know if it's working or not. So I'm not sure where you're going or not. Go ahead, Yuhong. Yuhong Baoying, thank you. Uh, I have a question yes. about Kaiyun's uh, first question. When you say the grasping and demands, are you saying that I still believe the false identity that I think I'm a solid being? Fine. I think that comes out of that because it, it's like if if you don't get your way and something happens and somebody takes something from you or using something in such a way that they shouldn't be because of uh, that is yours. It's up to you to. Uh, the simple one is jealousy. I understand. So we're going to look at certified, not just used. I'm not sure what the, the technology is there. You have any idea about how to stop that? Being a technological person. Ian Boeing, Peter's just unmuted himself. Peter oh. Boeing, I'm sorry. I okay, it. you're you're totally excused. Now, what was that, what was that question again? You answered. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, all right. What did I say? To, to keep looking, bowing, to me, bowing. That sounds like something I would say. Yes. Further questions? Um, Naveed. Um, you point your chest when you talk about consciousness. Yes. Um, is consciousness somehow centralized in chest area in the human body, bowing? Uh, not necessarily. It, it consciousness doesn't it finds any whatever form. Like you, you can actually move your consciousness up to the sky. It might not feel like it. You might not get proof of that, but but do it. Just uh, I'll count to three and everybody uh, move your consciousness 10 feet above your body. One, two, three. I'll bring it back down. One, two, three. Did anything occur? Probably not, because we're talking about a realm that is not available to the thinking, processing, grasping, loving, hating, mind, warfare, but that's, that's available to you. It's available to you. It's not, it's not some kind of a God realm or some kind of dreamscape. You will not have an experience there. Now, I'm not saying that experiences will not show up there, but it will not happen to a person. And if it doesn't happen to a person, you may not be aware of it because you need the personhood to actually see what is coming and going. That's why we use those so that we can make sure that I'm the one who's really angry. Or I'm the one who's really um, knows the right way, or I'm the one who on and on and on. You notice nothing occurred, right? Wrong. What? Anything happened? Really? <laughs> you just stopped at the ceiling. <laughs> um, Su Susan Bowling. Susan. 
So, so Kazan, if you are empty of my projections about you, my opinions, my judgments, then who are you? And without my projections and opinions and judgments, who am I? Bowing. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. We are not separate. We're also not together. But the fundamental nature of consciousness is that is it doesn't have a form. It's formless. And it does not appear. Therefore, it cannot disappear. It is not dependently arisen. Everything that comes and goes, uh, comes and goes in consciousness. And consciousness uh, appears to come and go in our bodies because it's just the nature of consciousness to, you know, put on a lot of shows. It finds the form it needs. If it needs to talk, it develops vocal cords. If it needs to smell, it, it, it hires somebody to sniff around. I mean, it's, it's, it's very relative. So relative, it's just totally pragmatic. But when you say, who am I? Who, who are, we're not, I see it. You don't. I see that I'm not separate from you. If I, if I didn't see that, you'd really piss me off. But you don't piss me off at all. I love you very much. I'm willing to tell you that right here in front of Jehovah and everybody. Now, now that I've said that, now you ask another question. I see how, I mean, you helped me see how these projections are just, I mean, I don't know, is the word ridiculous? I mean, they're just, I mean, they make it seem like the world is revolving around me. I'm making, you know, these decisions or these opinions, but, and then I, then you help me see that it, it it's, it's not like that. It's different than I thought. Bowing. Okay. Any question? Yu Hong Bowing. In order to see Buddha's mind, besides meditation, anything else we could do? Bowing. Uh, we're doing it. We're getting together as a Sangha or community, even though you may never come here again, or you may come here indefinitely. Uh, you may start your own community. I, I have no idea what you need to do. But this is what you're doing. We're studying this together. This person is endeavoring to teach out of what they're what they're looking at. And then the community are coming this way to study the teachings of the Buddha as they brought, come down through us, down to us through 2,500 years of teaching, lots and lots of teaching and study and and people who have realized this, what, what the Buddha was pointing at and began to express it in their way of talking about it, just like I was mentioning young men was a very a really outrageous, outlandish teacher. And so uh, community, Sangha, uh, the teaching, the Dharma, and uh, the teacher or uh, the teacher, your teacher. Uh, my, I had two teachers. I've had several more than that, but two main Buddhist teachers that I, uh, that in order to do what I'm doing here, is presenting myself as a someone who understands maybe a little bit more than you do about this. I couldn't do that without the help of both of them. Is there, is there a final question anywhere, especially from someone who has not asked a question? Kenzan Bowen. Kenzan, go ahead. Can ego distinguish between what is received and the sort of overlaying that it does, Bowen? I think it, it, the thing with the ego is it tends to catch on just enough but wants to be included because it, the ego, until you realize that there is no self, uh, you'll still always be worried about what you say, and you'll try to plan what you're saying and plan what you're doing to have the best possible outcome. It's not that that's incorrect. It's just that it's grounded in relative truth. 
which is relatively what? True, relatively, but it's not ultimately true. So the ultimate truth uh, starts to show up when the grasping at a self and the grasping at another, belief in a self, belief in another, when that just starts to come apart and you don't come in and rebuild it. You don't come in and re reconstruct anything. You're willing to be in that. The basic teaching there is called shunyata, emptiness. Everything is empty of what you think it is. This is a way of teaching it. And then the other way of saying that, uh, on top of that, it's not only empty of what uh, it looks like, but it's full of what it actually is, which is, it's full. It's full. It's full of everything, everyone, everything. Nothing is left out anywhere. Full of that. And you see all of it. But first you have to go through that gate of emptiness to so that all of your own ideas and and uh, conclusions and hopes and fears can just come apart. It's called the spiritual path. It's not the mundane path. Is it necessary to, to attempt to distinguish between what is received and what is produced? Um, I think there's quite a bit going to, ha going to happen in that area for each person, maybe in, di in a different way. And I would say the way you ask, I would say, yes, just your particular way of uh, your mental approach to things. I would say just keep going, just keep uh, looking at it the way you're looking. And eventually that will, if you don't do anything with it, you can kind of say this about everything. If you don't do anything with it, just the very nature of relative truth, it will start to morph into something else. Just like if you just look at the suffering, it will, it will go away because it's not kept moving by pushing on it. It's not kept moving by fighting with it or blaming anything. You're not joining into that, that merry-go-round. You're just observing the merry-go-round. And where is consciousness when you're observing the merry-go-round? Still, standing still, observing, observing. You're not getting on to decide whether you're going to ride on a horse or, or if you're just going to stand there like an adult with a child on a horse or where you're going to sit in one of those benches. You know where there's probably some gum you can sit in okay i think we're good thank you so much for attending thank you for all of your questions and uh i hope everyone has a pleasant evening hi i'm senshu one of sokuzan's monks sokuzan offers his wisdom tirelessly with complete love and devotion if you value these teachings sokuzan the mandala of Sokokoji, please consider donating at sokokoji.org. Thank you.